0: Um, you know, growing, non, growing up in a very dysfunctional family. My mom was married three times. Um, I don't know my biological father. I never met him physically. Um, I didn't find out that, that he, the dad that raised me wasn't my dad until I was 14 years old. And during that time that I was, I was struggling, I felt like I didn't fit in the whole time Satan was putting a chain around my around my arms and starting to chain me up, okay? And you'll see during my story until December 13, 2001, when I accepted Christ into my heart and be my Savior, I was chained. I was chained, you know, to just the battles that I was battling in life. Um, my dad, um, who raised me, he, uh, I, I mean, I... I mean, he beat me. He gave me the whoopings. Um, he verbally abused me. Uh, he showed me what true alcoholism was, but he didn't show me what a true father and the directions that this this manual that we have called the Bible, he didn't teach me how to be a father. He, he showed me totally different uh, side of that. And, you know, he... He wanted me to grow up to be the man he wasn't. I mean, he pretty much lost life when he lost his business. Um, We went from the the big house to the poor house real, real quick when my dad lost the business. And he started taking his anger and frustration out with all of the family because of that, but also because he had this beautiful, according to him, beautiful bottle that he went home to, was his best friend and everything else and his alcoholism. And everything from there. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, I never was in a Christian home. My childhood and teenage years, uh, I ran the streets. Uh, with Back then, gangs weren't like they were today. We had a gang of friends. Um, but I took it to more more extreme. I drank, I had my first taste of alcohol when I was 13 years old. Um, continually off and on drinking. I had my my first cigarette, <coughs> which actually gave... My first whooping from my mom because I took her pack of cigarettes um, when I was 10 years old. Um, and my brother was right there with me. And until, this, until he actually repents, um, he's the one that led me to the dark side on that side. So um, just wanted to throw that in there. Um, but growing up, I really didn't get a glimpse of what unconditional love was from my parents and from the church. I was so angry growing up you know, Satan put that other chain on. He said, John, your real dad left you. He put a chain on. He said, hey, man, escape to me with the alcohol. He put a chain on me that, that said, hey, you know, nobody loves you. Look what, you're, what, look what your real dad's doing to you. So all of those chains that Satan likes to put on us was continually throughout my teenage years. You know, I ran the streets, like I said, you know, I chased girls. I had unprotected sex. I, you know, drank alcohol. And I'm telling you all of this because you'll see the progression until December 13, 2001, which was a very one. But the whole time that I was doing that, as I looked back and as as I was preparing for my testimony, I kept back then. This is what was going on. Knocking. It was Jesus knocking at the door. Again, I mentioned earlier that God didn't make us as puppets. He's not going to force his will on us. We all have free will. And as a teenager, when, the door, when he was knocking at my door, I wasn't answering, right? I, would, I was answering to what Satan wanted me to do. Really, that's why Satan puts the chains around our wrist so we can't reach the door until we break those chains. And, and I'll explain to you how we can break those chains in a minute. But anyway, you know, I love the sport of baseball. And growing up, um, growing up, I was able to go out and really escape from the beatings and everything else that was going on with the alcoholism, the verbal abuse, mom and dad fighting because dad lost his job, um, and she had to work two jobs to support the family. Um, dad disappearing for a couple days not knowing where he was at um, but I was able to go out there and I swung the bat and I threw the baseball um, sometimes with my little brother uh, sometimes it was just up against the wall because I was take, taking those frustrations out and, and the whole time I was swinging the whole time I was throwing and practicing the words from Satan was just turning around saying John you're no good you're not going to amount to anything and I tried so hard to please my dad with my, with my sports ability. That's why I was out at night throwing baseballs, trying to practice, to be good, just to get a little glimpse of what love would be from a father. Right? So um, one thing that God did not bless me with was in, uh, a great mind. So I didn't go to college uh, out of high school. Um, I ended up joining the Air Force. It was the best time that I had. I was proud serving in the military um, and but it was the worst thing that happened to me because I was 19, nineteen years old when I joined, and all of a sudden they let a 19 year old out into the world, not knowing how to protect himself from you know, the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, everything that occurs when you're on your own quote unquote, live in the teenager's dream, which I believe personally um, is not the dream uh, that each American teenager should, should dream of. And I was wrong at that point in time. So um, now I'm going to throw something in there. Um, you guys will hopefully meet my wife, but I did, I did not grow, uh, I didn't grow up in a, a Christian home as I mentioned so God was there the whole time and He had my He had my my life planned out. It says in the Bible in Matthew ten that He knows every single hair on your head before you were even born. He knows you, right? So He had this plan. And again, because God allows free will, He He, he allowed me to go through it. And I know there were so many times that I was I was on my knees and saying God, if there is a God out there, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? He was answering me, but guess what? I didn't have the, I had earplugs in I didn't hear it. So, anyway, um, God ended up designing me to, and it's very comical to me, but he designed me to fall in love with a beautiful blue-eyed Texas girl. um, And, we fell in love. I was stationed. If you ask her, I followed her around the club, but but she actually followed me around the club so she can get on her knees and pray for forgiveness for lying to y'all. But but uh, anyway, um, the funny thing is, is, you know, God likes to play matchmakers, and in this particular case, he turned around and said, you know what, John, I'm going to make you fall in love since you're a young, wild child. I'm going to let you fall in love with the... Southern Baptist preacher's daughter. Yeah, he's laughing back there. Yeah, I, I, he's a laughing, but I can actually tell you, I did see the light the day I walked in to his office and met him for the very first time. And to this day, I told Pops, I said, I feared for my life, and all he said to me was, if my daughter loves you, I'm okay with it, but if you do anything to my daughter, I'm going to take my preacher hat off, and that's all I needed to hear, right? So anyway, it gets better, though. God's so funny because just 10 days later, after falling in love with my wife, 10 days later, he goes, guess what? I'm going to send you halfway around the world to Japan, and you're going to be away from her for 18 months, and it was about 18 months, I believe. Um, and the whole time that I was gone, now I ended up, we ended up seeing each other before I left on my 30-day leave period, and, and you know we were the typical you know, young love, you know, and I gave her a ring um, when we met, and then I asked her to marry me at LAX Airport over the phone right? So romantic, you know, but it was cheap, but it was so romantic. But anyway, when I, because I committed to her, you know, when I got over there, you know, I was a drunken mess, you know, on off days. The alcoholism was still there. Um, you know, she, she, she was back home praying and I, and I know she was, but, um, you know, there was no set. There was I wasn't chasing the women like I used to, but but I was very miserable because Satan kept putting those chains on again, and he said, "Hey, you fell in love, but you got separated from them." And I saw. I, I mean, I basically had a lot of separation issues from that, um, and I suffered a lot of that. Um, but I could say this that. Um, When Nikki and I got married, um, October twenty—I got—I got to calculate—twenty-fourth, nineteen ninety-one. So we'll be celebrating nineteen ninety-two. I'm sorry. She's in the back. Uh, I guarantee you, she's probably shaking her head right now. But um, this coming October, we're going to celebrate thirty years of marriage. Right? Round of applause for that. Y'all are giving her a round of applause because she definitely needed it because I can tell you, uh, up until 21 years ago, if you would have told me me and my wife were going to be married for 30 years, I'd call you guys crazy. I wasn't the husband. I wasn't the husband that the Bible says that you're supposed to do to submit and love your wife like Christ loves the church. My wife submitted. I mean, the whole time that we were married... She was over here praying, but John was over here stopping by the bar on the way home from work. John was stopping by the bar or escaping, using those chains, um, and not wanting to deal with 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 life as a brand new brand new marriage. Now, also, John was over here during the ten years of our first our first ten years of marriage when John and Nikki suffered infertility issues she's over here on her knees praying to god for him to bless us our family with a child but john didn't want to deal with it john was over here living the good life quote unquote but i will tell you this once i find my spot (laughs) no i'm kidding um I was over here shaking my fist and drinking and being so angry to God. I was like, why? Why? And my wife was over there praying, God, please bless me. Please bless us. Open the door. Well, that's the type of God we are or we have and that I worship. Is The fact is that because even though Satan was over here putting it in, you're not going to be a dad. You're not going to be a man. You're not going to be able to change the ways that 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 the way you were raised he ended up opening the door for Nikki and I 9 months to the day that Nikki and I were approved through the state of Texas to adopt a child our our son who's now 21 years old was born and I have to say thank you I have to say that You know, when I got off of that elevator and I saw his name, his name was Baby Happy at that time, right? Because we weren't legally his parents. He was kind of in limbo. But I turned around and Camden definitely was a blessing from God, but I will tell you this, that young lady, her name is Jessica, and Nikki and I had the pleasure to meet her several times but that young lady that chose adoption over abortion is an angel in my eyes, and she gave the one of the greatest sacrifices there because I go against most, most of the, the, a lot of people's belief is life begins at conception, and if Jessica didn't make that choice, I wouldn't have my son today, and he would not be 21 years old graduating from college in two years and serving in the United States military. So with that, um, it definitely was a blessing from God, and I pray every single day for Jessica um, and the decision that she made. So you would think at that point in time, God blessed me and then the doors were open. That whole next month, Satan was using that chain saying, okay, now God gave you that choice, but but you're still a drunk. You're not going to be a good father. You're not going to be a good role model. You're not going to, to live up to your wife's expectations of a father. You're not going to be able to support them. And all of those lies, he kept throwing it around. And I'm going to get to you right now, December 13th, 2001, was the day I changed, that, that my life changed. December 12th, I was driving home from work, and I lived uh, at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and I lived, we, our house was out east of Dallas, so back then, 21 years ago, it was, it was about a 45-minute drive, right? So um, I was driving, and I said, ah, I was hearing all that stuff in my mind. I was angry about something, and I decided to stop at a bar and I stopped at a bar, and I stopped at, you know, basically another bar. Um, and you guys think that I got busted for, for DWI. Thank God I did not. Um, but the next morning, I woke up. I had a handful of receipts in one hand, and I sleep on this side, so I rolled over. Um, and when I rolled over, I saw these, these big, beautiful, brown, eyes and chubby cheeks staring back at me. But, not Camden, who's my son, I heard these words. I heard, I love you. I'm here for you. Your life is so much better if you lay your burdens down at the feet of my cross, come follow me. And then, I kind of shook my head for a minute, and I looked back, and I still saw, him, saw Camden staring at me, and then in a different voice, I heard, Dad, I love you. I'm, I, I know you're going to be a great father, and I want you to help change yourself. And I, it snapped, and then when I when I kind of woke up a little bit, my wife picked my son up. She stood at the foot of our bed, and she said, things have got to change. It's not fair for me, and it's definitely not fair for your son. And at that moment of time, I knew it was time for a change. So what I did was... God puts people in our lives, and we don 't even know the reason why I had a a coworker of mine his name 's Marty um, he know, when, and he actually whenever we went out for you know happy hour or we went and and entertained clients, he would never drink and which I thought was weird but um, and sometimes we 'd eat at lunch and he would talk about how good his life and everything was and um. So I knew I needed to pick up the call, pick up the phone, and call Marty. So I turned around. and said, "Marty, I need a change." I said, "I I, I want to to stop the uncontrollableness, and I need your help." And he said, "Okay, are you free for?" for breakfast or whatever, said, I'm going to do whatever. So I called out from work, went to breakfast with him. We, we sat at the same exact cafe that we sat and had. He, Marty had um, witnessed to me for years. But my ears were pl- so plugged up and I was chained so much that I didn't hear what Marty was saying. But I did that day. And he, saw, he said, John, there's a better way and the only way that, that it will work is if you ask Christ in, into your life. Like it says in verse 30, it says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And just like the hope words that are, that are in this, that, that you can find no rest in life until you find rest in God. So I turned around, and in the middle of that restaurant, I got down... He and I got out of the booth. I got down on my knees. And that day I asked Christ into my life. And when I did that, I had a new warrior fighting my battles. He slowly began changing and taking off those chains, he started building me up. Now, the road with Christ is very, very hard but he battles with me daily and he's driving the bus if I let him. We all have that free will again and every single morning I wake up and I say, God, this is your day. Have your will be done. Use me as a tool, right? And when, when I did that and I do that on a consistent basis, it allows me to have that, that armor of God on to protect all of us from the evils that are out there. So, you know, <clears throat> Jesus said, if you're sick and tired and you want rescue, Jesus said, for, for every man who confesses, I am Lord and repents of his sins and ask him into his heart, he will be saved. It says it here in the Bible. So, if you are tired of being sick and tired, if you feel that your life has been too much for the cross to handle, if you feel you're not worth it, do what I did. Lay it down at the foot of the cross and Jesus is going to walk you out of it. He died on that cross for us. And we're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, all of us. And his redemption to us will not be easy, but, 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 I will tell you this: that the best times I had without Jesus is worse than the worst time I had with Jesus. So, I do want to tell you guys this, and, and this hit while I was preparing um, how to close my my testimony. But I want to give you guys some 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 build me ups and then i am going to pray for us and i'm going to i'm going to do that but i want you to know and i want to enforce enforce to you and let you know that you need to tell yourself isaiah 54:17 says no weapon formed against me shall prosper tell yourself deuteronomy 28:13 says i am the head and not the tail Tell yourself, Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Tell yourself, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Tell yourself, Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Tell yourself, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Tell yourself again, Job thirteen fifteen. though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And then tell yourself, Psalm 20, 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who should I fear? <clears throat> so if we can all go to, go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. We'll go ahead to the Lord for, for closing prayer, and I'm going to give a blessing after that. But if you are ready to be saved, and redeemed I'm going to do a short prayer can't go to heaven on my prayer okay but I can help you lead through the prayer and then after that I'll pray uh, the closing prayer and a blessing for you so God I know I'm a sinner and I ask you for forgiveness I believe Jesus Christ is your son And that he died on the cross for me. And my sins. I want to trust him as my savior. And follow him as Lord. And I pray this in Jesus name. Father we thank you for the grace. We thank you for your new mercies every single day. Uh, We thank you Lord that you give us. Lord all that we need. Lord that you. You are the supplier of our needs. Father, as we stand before you right now, I pray, Lord, for everyone who is in this room that is in need. I pray for those around this city that is in need. I pray for, for everyone in this state, in this country, in this world that is in need, Father, and I lay it down to you. I pray, Lord, that for anyone hearing the sound of my voice that is in need of prayer, I pray, Lord, that you will meet them right where they are that you be the Jehovah, Jireh in their life. Lord, provide them in the times of their distress and in times of need. But most of all, Lord, we believe, Lord, that you are a provider. And we say this in Jesus' name, amen.